And uh, appearing in public the Sunday after Thanksgiving is not always the thing we want to do, right? Uh, as you notice, I have my black on. There's quite a few people with black on today. You got to tuck that stuff in, you know? Uh, I had a, uh, a striped shirt put out to wear, and I just changed my mind right away. No horizontal strikes today. But I, I hope you had a great time with your family and uh, you overcame the temptation of being debaucherous uh, and that it was about loving others and loving God. But you know, it's an interesting time of the year. Things certainly do slow down a bit. I remember working my secular job. This was the time of year where it was impossible to stay focused. Uh, you know, you're, you're done with Thanksgiving, so now you're looking forward to Christmas and now, right after that's done, you're looking forward to the new year. It all goes round and round, right? Uh, but also, it's the time of year when we begin to assess ourselves. If you notice, the title of my uh, sermon this morning is An Accurate Assessment. You know, we take inventory of our progress or lack thereof during this time of year. Before long, many of us will be gearing up to uh, put together New Year resolutions for the New Year, right? Now, you may know or may not know this, but 41% of Americans make New Year resolutions. So you're in here. I know you are. You know, a group this size, we have about 250 to 300 of you who makes New Year's resolutions, uh, but out of the 41%, that number, only 9.2% succeed in achieving their resolutions. It's sad. Now, in addition to New Year's resolution, we also take stock of where we're at because some early point in the new year, our employers, for those of us who are not self-employed, will ask us to complete the ever-anticipated employee evaluation. Don't you love those things? You know, as a minister, we, we complete them as well. You know, Todd and the elders, they roll them out. You might be encouraged to know that. Your ministers are being evaluated as well. Uh, it's a good thing. And uh, in addition to all that, if you have a good family group leader, and I stress a good one, he or she will encourage you to evaluate your walk with God at this time, right? Not anyone will do that, but a good leader will because they want you to take stock. How are you and the Lord doing? You know, the truth is, uh, you know, this morning, the goal isn't to teach you how to set New Year's resolutions. It isn't to give you the tips on how to complete your, uh, your uh, yearly employee evaluation, but the one point I want us to really focus on this morning is that, you know, how we complete these things, whether it be New Year's resolutions or evaluations or decisions we make in life general, has so much to do with what we think about ourselves. You know, how we handle failure and disappointment, and also that also can affect our view of ourselves. You know, what you carry around in your head and in your heart about who you are and what you think of you, that impacts the decisions you make in your life. So right here on the onset, I do want to start off and ask you, so how do you view yourself this morning? You imagine it was just you and the Lord, 
And he asks you, how, how do you feel about you? What do you think about you? You know, if you will, uh, please turn to Acts chapter 7. We'll, uh, we'll be reading that uh, passage of Scripture, really looking at Moses' life. And this is really an overview of Moses' life. Of course, this was written after he lived his life. And so in, as he was living his life, he wasn't aware of these things and how God was necessarily working. There were times where he thought he knew. But these were things that Moses had to learn about himself. You know, Moses was not a perfect man. And he certainly had his shortcomings. We're all aware of that. I mean, even if you're not, and you know, you don't go to church every Sunday, but you've seen the movie, right? You know what that narrative is all about. You know, God used Moses in an incredible way to rescue his people. And we understand that uh, God allowed him to rescue over 600,000 people. And that was just men alone because they didn't count the women and the children back then. But this incredible amount of people, God allowed him to deliver from the oppressive hands of the most powerful person in ancient Egypt at the time. You know, God's plan for his people at that time was realized through the leadership of an 80-year-old. It's never too late. <laughs> I heard that. Amen, Steve Ozan. You're not quite 80 yet, bro. <laughs> but that God always has a plan for us no matter where we're at in life. But as we look at this in Acts chapter 7, we'll read here in the bit, we see that Moses also struggled about his view of himself. You know, he went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And the one thing, there are, there are actually several lessons we can learn from his life, but one in particular that I want to highlight this morning is that, you know, if our view of ourselves is not rooted in how God views us, then our assessment of ourselves will always fall short of being accurate. Will always. So read with, uh, follow on with me here as we read in Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to start here in verse 20. Again, keep in mind, this is an overview of his life. It says here in verse 20, at that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. And actually, if you look down in your footnote of your Bible, you'll see here it says that he was fair or beautiful in the eyes of God. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful, and get this, in speech and action. Keep that in mind. Verse 23 says, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled, settled as a foreigner and had two sons. 
After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. You know, I read that and I'm blown away at how God used Moses' life from the beginning of it, from the time he was born. And he saved them in such an exceptional way and then raised them up to lead and deliver his people. It's an incredible story. But, you know, you got to look in there and see how human Moses was, okay? It's not without, again, any imperfections. You think about it. When did Moses first catch glimpse of, of God's plan for his life? You know, a lot of people would argue, and they said, well, when he saw the burning bush. But as we read here, that's not the case, right? It says in verse 25 that Moses went out and he thought, you know, I'm a Hebrew, right? He was relying on that. I grew up in the home of Pharaoh. I have position. And so, therefore, maybe God is using me to help these people. Verse 25 even said, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. Now, the thing is, you know, Moses at that point had an inflated view of himself. He wasn't quite where God was with him. God still needed him to go 40 years more in the desert as a shepherd to learn how to survive there so that when he brought the people there, he would know what to do. But Moses was thinking totally different. I'm the man. Again, relying on his pedigree, who he was, relying on his position, that, you know, I can step in this situation here and make it happen. Now, I'm careful in saying Moses was prideful here because the Bible says Moses was a humble man. But, of course, he wrote that part of the Bible. And so that's always interesting to me. But he was. But the truth is he learned to be humble. Here we see him having an inflated view of himself. You know, can you relate to Moses? I know I can. You know, I remember in particular, it was uh, in 1996. I even brought uh, this book here so you know I'm not lying, okay? So this is a book that was given to me in 96. And I have in here my New Year resolutions for 1997, and uh, it's all taped up. I didn't, you know, again, I didn't make this up. So on here, this was on January 3rd, 1997. I sat down, I pinned down my goals. And at the time, I was a month shy of two years as a disciple. 
And I was leading a small, a small Bible discussion group on my campus at the time, New Jersey Institute of Technology. We had a handful of, uh, of, of Christians in that group, and we did really well. We baptized a number of people that year, and I thought, you know what, next year we ought to do even better. And so one of my goal here is to see a total of 10 people baptized from NGIT by the end of the year. Now, in addition to that, out of the group of uh, of students we baptized, there was one in particular. I mean, he was, he seemed like a really great and sharp young man. He was the president of the freshman student body. I mean, he was, I, I went into his room, his dorm room. The guy had certificates and awards from high school of just all these leadership events and things that he did. And I thought, wow, this guy's incredible. So my thinking was, you know, I knew that the summer was coming around, and typically the evangelists that led our region would, uh, would choose a person to go into the ministry and to do an internship. So I figured, obviously, that's going to be me. <laughs> I mean, we're doing really well, and uh, I've been a Christian for close to two years now. He's definitely going to ask me to do it. And I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise James up to lead my Bible discussion, because now I'm going to be leading the entire thing. All five campuses is what I was thinking. So I do have it here. This is my number one goal, raise James up to lead NGIT. Now, let me uh, pause here, take a drink of water, let you think about this. Now, you can only imagine how disappointed I felt when James was chosen <laughs> to do the internship and lead the whole entire campus ministry. I mean, he was a freshman, for goodness sake. I was a sophomore. I had been a Christian for two years. I mean, he was barely, he was barely dry from coming out of the, the baptistry. And here he was. He had taken on what I was trying to achieve. Man, I was totally disappointed. And, you know, I believe God allow us to have moments like that so who we really are can surface. I realized my selfish ambition at, ambition at that time, and, and the worst part is having to sit down with James and confess all this stuff. You know, letting him know how envious and jealous I was feeling. Uh, you know, and it was just, it was embarrassing. But God was really helping me to see what was in me. And he was helping me to take stock in really the assessment of who I was and where I was. You know, he allowed that to happen. You know, and after repenting, you know, I have a picture here of James and I. This is in 1997. You know, we, we became roommates. Uh, James eventually became an evangelist in the church in New Jersey and, and served the church in an incredible way. He still does now. Uh, he was one of my two best men at my wedding. Uh, you know, he was here in Texas recently. We were able to get some time together. But here was what God was doing in my life, and I had no idea this was going on. But the one thing is he used it to help me to see who I was and have a more accurate assessment of where I was and what was going on with me. So can you relate to Moses? There are times we do have these inflated views of ourselves, and we think we're somewhere when we're not. But really, not that God doesn't have a plan for our lives. He does. But he really wants us to seek to have an accurate assessment of who we are. Now, let's see how Moses responded when God finally called him, right? 
Uh, and we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 4, look in verse 10. We know God eventually convinced Moses to see things his way, right? But it wasn't smooth sailing. It wasn't like it happened so easily. In verse uh, 10 of Exodus chapter 4, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Right? The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And that's really where his heart was. You know, at the end of his 40-year hiatus, Moses was insecure. Moses, Moses told God that he had the wrong man. He no longer believed that he could be used by God. He made excuses and demonstrated that his view of himself was far from God's view of him. Moses claimed that he did not speak well. God informed Moses that he was the one who gave human beings their mouths. Moses failed to recognize the gifts and opportunities God had allowed him up to this point in his life. And that's what happened to us, right? I mean, that's just really the cycle of self-reliance. We can have this inflated view of ourselves. Things don't work out the way we think they would. Then we become insecure, and we go in this cycle. And sometimes maybe things do work out when we have this prideful, very inflated view of who we are. It works out for some time, and that leads us to being even more prideful and to be even more arrogant in our approach of things. But God's desire is to help you and I to see ourselves where we're really at that we're not caught in this performance trap and really have the wrong view of who we are. You know, maybe insecurity is not your issue and pride is. Do you have such an inflated view of yourself that you can't see the need for God and for others in your life? If you would, please turn to Romans chapter 12. Let's read a couple of verses there. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member belong to all the others. It's an incredible passage here, and I love this because here Paul, before going on into a description on how as a church we need one another, as a church we're a body, he goes on and he first says, you know, we all need to strive to have sober judgment about ourselves. And we need to, the view we need to maintain of ourselves is one that's in accordance with faith. So is your view of yourself based on faith in God or on something else? Do we see ourselves as God sees us 
Or is it based on who we think we are? Is it based on how we compare with others? How do you view yourself? You know, God's desire for us is that we constantly seek to see ourselves the way he sees us. There's a lot of decision, brothers and sisters and friends, we'll we'll be called to make in our lives. Even in the next couple weeks here, it's a lot of decisions we'll be called to make. And when you think about it, with what frame of thinking will you make those decisions? How do you assess yourself? You know, how, how do we do that? How do we seek to have a view of ourselves that's in line with how God view us? You know, the first thing I think it's very clear here is that we need to be humble, right? We need to be humble. Without humility, there's no way we're going to be able to learn the lessons God wants us to learn in our situations. And certainly when he allows our weaknesses to surface, it'll just go past us. We won't see it. But we need humility. You know, I'm thankful, you know, this past year, actually the end of last year and also this year, there's been a number of... uh, older sisters in the South uh, sector who have become Christians. And uh, it's been encouraging to see these, young, these, these women sit down with my wife, who's probably 30-plus years their, their junior, and yet for them to desire to learn on how to follow Jesus at that point in their lives. Do you have any idea the amount of humility that takes? Y'all know they're probably looking at Shaw's like, girl, <laughs> I, I knew about this before you were even born. But it's incredible to see a woman like Tony Anderson come to Christ. You know, I remember one time we were, there was another sister getting baptized, and Tony was studying the Bible, and she hadn't been baptized yet. And one of the things she shared before her baptism, she said, you know, I realize that I, I'm older than most people here, but I have a lot to learn. Does that level of humility, can that be something that's used to describe you? You know, one of the things I want to encourage us, well, how do you get that level of humility? Pray for it. Ask God. You know, are you on your knees asking God to give you the level of humility to recognize your strength and your weaknesses when he allows them to surface? Because we'll miss it. Brothers and sisters, we'll miss it unless we're asking God to help us to do that. You know, another way that we'll be able to have a view of ourselves that's in line with God's view of us is to ask godly men and women in our lives for feedback, right? I mean, there are people who see you in a very objective way. Because, you know, we can make excuses. We can justify. I know I can't. Maybe you don't, but I know I can't. But I can ask someone who can see me live. They're living outside of me, and they can see what I'm doing. And they'll, they'll be able to point out certain things. Do you know your strength and weaknesses? Are you asking people? You know, there are some people, they love you enough that you don't need to ask them. They'll tell you. <laughs> and I, I love those people. You know, uh, Don Murray is one of those brothers in my life. <laughs> You know, Don, uh, one of the things that I, I used to really pride myself of is that I feel like, yeah, I, there's a lot of things I don't have on uh, straight, 
But I always try to be sincere and have good intentions when, it, when I'm doing something that involves other people. But last year, there were a couple uh, situations, and those things happened like back to back, where I got really into some struggles with brothers and sisters, just things didn't work out, and I was just stuck there like, hey, I, I didn't mean to do that to you. I mean, my intention was for that to work out in a different way. But it got to a point where the back and forth, even last days, and uh, Don and I, we were at a Starbucks one time. We were, every week get together, we were at that point getting together once a week. And uh, we sat down, and Don uh, pointed out, I don't remember how it came up, whether I asked him or he just volunteered. But he said to me, he said, you know, one of the things I realized, Pierre, is that, you know, you are, you're relational, you're sincere, and you have good intentions with people. But when things don't work out and people get hurt or offended by what you've done, because you have good intention, you don't really want to tend to what people are feeling. And he was absolutely correct. You know, because even though we have good intentions, people do get offended by what we do. Even though we're sincere, people still get hurt. And for me, I was stuck on like, wait a minute, I, I, I did the best I could there. And it was even hard for me to utter an apology. And, you know, and we went, we went through talking about how, you know, this is how you diffuse those situations. Really be sincere in apologizing. Let the person know that this is not what you intended to happen, but obviously you can see that it hurts them or it's offens- it offended them, and you're sorry for that. Now, that's something, honestly, I, I couldn't see, uh, you know, just outside of my, unless I was outside of myself. And I'm grateful that Don obviously loved me enough to point this out and let me know. But, you know, who's in your life letting you know what they see? You know, here's a question. Write this down. Here's a question to ask the godly men and women in your life. Ask them this question. What's one area in my life or in my character you sense that I'm blind to? Because we all have blind spots, and people in our lives see them, and they're, they're obvious to them, even when it's not obvious to us at times. But, you know, in praying and asking God to give us the humility to see ourselves accurately, and also in getting feedback from godly men and women who God has put in our lives, you know, we have a better chance at really viewing ourselves the way God views us. And that's really important, obviously, because the decisions we make in life will be impacted by the view we carry around in our heads and in our hearts. You know, as we uh, wind down to a close here, and uh, get ready to, to take the communion together. You know, I, I'm really reminded of Jesus. You know, this level of humility. I, I, I'm reminded in particular of uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And certainly he was very clear about what he wanted to see happen because he was human as well as he was God uh, in the flesh. But he, 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 he was very clear about that. But his prayer was for God's will to be done in his life. And I think about Psalm 139. I'm going to read that psalm, not the whole psalm, but just a couple verses here. And then we're going to pray to take the communion together. But in Psalm 139, in verse 25, 26, David wrote this. And it reminds me really of the heart of Christ. Where really pleasing the Father, seeing things the way God sees things, is really what he desired. And so in verse 23 here, Psalm 139, Paul says, Search me, God. 
and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and so thankful for the way that you remain involved in our lives. Uh, Father, we're, uh, we can be distracted by so many things. And certainly the world we live in call us to uh, rely on ourselves and to, to build ourselves up in a way that draws us away from you. Uh, I pray this morning, God, as we uh, get ready to take the communion together, that our desire at this point and as we move forward will be to see ourselves the way you see us. Uh, we thank you that uh, Jesus has died on the cross and has uh, lavished us with grace so that we can have the courage to accept and see whatever is there as we assess ourselves. We love you and we're thankful for all that you do in our lives. In your son's name I pray, amen.